0: MailChimp presents.
1: Ever heard of a customer? You know, it's when marketers group all their customers, regardless of their different behaviors, into one big mess. But with MailChimp, you can use real-time behavior data to personalize emails for every customer, based on their browsing and buying behavior, turning your customers. Into customers. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022, availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change.
0: It was still hard to market a a woman fighter. People, you know, they wanted me to speak different and everything, like talk nicer about boxing i was like how do you do that they even told me in some interviews i had after uh, don't say this like me talking about boxing and about how much i love boxing and how much i love hitting people made me look like a bully and i was like but that's like telling michael jordan to say he don't like dunking on people he plays <laughs> basketball and boxing you punch people i like to punch people Clarissa Shields first stepped into a
1: boxing ring when she was 12 years old. And here's the thing, she was good at it, really good. It was as if she had discovered the solution to all of her life's challenges. She'd been boxing for just four years when the Olympics made a historic announcement. They would allow women to compete in boxing for the first time ever. Clarissa knew this was her shot at greatness, but when they told her she was too young to compete, it threatened to take away everything she'd worked for. I'm Ann Friedman, and this is Going Through It, a show about how hard it can be to figure out when to quit and when to keep going. On this episode, what happens when everyone tells you to just wait your turn, but you're certain that waiting will ruin your life? When did you first realize you were good at boxing?
0: (laughs) I know I was good when I was 12. (laughs) <laughs> and um, I had been boxing for two months. I-, I remember the first punch I actually got hit with was probably a right hand or something. And it was like, a, it was a right hand, and my eyes got watery. And my face turned red. And then I heard Jason say, Oh, you done messed up now. And uh, when he hit me, <laughs> and my eyes got watery, I just remember I up my fist so tight, and I just start swinging. I start swinging, and I was fighting. <laughs> My uh, sparring partner, I had him on the ropes. I was beating him down. And I just remember everybody <laughs> saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? And uh, I came back <laughs> to the corner after the round, and Jason was like, how you feel? I said, I'm okay. He said, calm down. Now you got your anger out the way now, right? And somehow he must knew I had a quick temper. He told me to calm down. He said, okay, you, have you got your anger out now? I said, yeah. He said, go out there, use your jab. And work on the combination that we taught you on the, up on the wall. And I said, okay. And I went out there, and he was like, listen for my voice. And he would yell out the combinations. Two count, three count, four count, five count. Probably sparred about four rounds. Um, we got out the ring, and everybody was just laughing at my sparring partner. And I didn't really know why. I just was like, we sparred. And, you know, he hit me sometimes, I hit, I, but I hit him a lot more. And so my coach told me to go hit the bag. And when I went to hit the bag, I was punching the bag. And some dude walked up to me like, man, this little dude can fight. And I looked up at him. I said, I'm not no boy. And he looked and he was like, started screaming. Like, eyes got really big. I don't remember who he was. He just was like, oh, my God. Yo, this a girl. This is a girl. Everybody was like, no, it's not. And when they walked over to Timmy, and they were looking at him, they were like, yo, that's a freaking girl. And that's when I knew, I was like, maybe I'm a girl that knows how to fight.
1: Already at that age, were you thinking about, like, how do I do this
0: forever? I just knew I love boxing. I love boxing. I'm going to keep coming to the gym. Out of everything I'm going through, you know, dealing with my family, I had been sleeping on the floor. You know, even while I was training, I would still go hungry sometimes. Boxing was the only place I got a peace of mind at where nothing else mattered in the world but boxing. And would you be thinking about that, like,
1: you know, when you weren't actually in the ring or at the gym, like when when you were at school or when you were at home, were you, like, always mentally in the ring? Like, was your mind
0: on boxing all the time? No. I was more of an angered person uh growing up. When I wasn't at boxing and I was more I was just angry. Um angry at home, angry at school, angry walking home, angry walking to school. So maybe like the age of 11 to 15 I was getting into a lot of fights with people. What were you so angry about? Um well, you know, I was I was angry about what I had to go through as a kid. To me, it looked like everybody had everything. Like, they had good parents, and they had food, and they had a bed. And I always questioned, like, why can't I have that? What's so bad with me that I have to go through all this stuff but but the bullies and the mean kids and the stuck up girls they got these great parents and friends and they got money and i was like i'm a way better person than they are and they get all this stuff and i kind of was like i was more mad about that because i was like i, I don't like i shouldn't have to fend for myself as a kid you know everybody else has someone taking care of them and i'm just out here doing everything by myself so I was I was mad about that
1: when did you start to think about boxing as a long-term goal um like when when did the Olympics enter your mind as something that you wanted to pin your hopes and dreams on
0: at the age of thirteen um we used to get this monthly flyer nope it was it was a yearly flyer like with all the boxing shows and all the boxing news that was going on in the USA or um just in Michigan and um they had this section where they had announced that at 2012 Olympics, that they would have women for the first time, and they put all the weight classes on there. And at the age of 13, I was 137 pounds. And my coach, uh, Jason Crutchfield at the time, told me, you're going to fight at 165. And I was like, I'll never get that big. He knew. He said, no, you're going to be a big girl because your granny was tall and your great-granny was tall and your uncle's tall. And I didn't know I would be as tall as I am. Or get as big, you know, with all the, I don't know, all the meat I have on me now. (laughs) That's when I started thinking, you know what, okay, we're going to get ready for the 2012 Olympics. That was my first long-term goal in boxing. And did you say that out loud, like, to
1: Jason or to anyone in your life? Like, were you like, all right, this this is it? Or did you kind of keep that to yourself?
0: Me and Jason always was on the same accord. You know, he probably said it to me first, and he said, that's what we're getting ready for. He told me I was going to fight at 165. Once he told me that, I went home and I wrote it in my diary. And that was my goal. I didn't really go around broadcasting it to my family and my friends. It was more of just like a goal that me and my coach had together. How did your life
1: change after you knew that was your goal?
0: Um, I just was always checking myself as a, as a kid, you know, I was like church, school, prayer, boxing. And anything I didn't do, I didn't do it because I didn't want to do it or I didn't want to try it. I did it because I knew it wasn't helpful for my boxing career. You know, like the peer pressure of having sex, the peer pressure of smoking and drinking. I never did it because, you know, I didn't want to have any setbacks and I knew that smoking was bad for your lungs and drinking. I was scared of becoming an alcoholic like my mom and just sex was like, you know, you don't have sex till marriage and it messes with your legs and everything like that. So with all those things, I I never did any of them just because of boxing. Boxing was like, you need your mind, body and spirit, everything to be clean and to be healthy. So for How much
1: you love boxing and how much you've just talked about its importance in your life, I also know that there was a moment when you almost quit. Can you tell me what happened or what prompted
0: that? We were in Mobile, Alabama. It was like a gymnasium room. I was sitting on the bleacher. I had probably just finished fighting, not even uh, 10 minutes prior, so I still had my boxing uniform. I I had kind of calmed down. Because walking to the ring for that fight, Evander Holyfield was, like, ringside. So I got super excited, and then my coach had to tell me to calm down because I wanted to fight so good that Evander Holyfield would say something about me. <laughs> so, um, And I was just sitting there uh, wondering. We had found out about the Olympics. They said you have to be 16 or 17 to make it. And uh, we never knew if I was old enough, but it was just my dream that I would be old enough so I could at least attempt to try to make the team. Me and my coach had already strategized the plan that we, what we were going to do, and he said he was going to talk to the president. I think it was Al Harold, Harold Al. I can't really remember it. And uh, my coach walked up to him, and, and my coach was talking to him for about 10, 15 minutes. And um, I was just over there looking at them. Just kind of pray that everything went the way it was supposed to go, that I was old enough to to compete in the last Olympic qualifier for the women, and do you remember what that
1: prayer was like that was going through your head while you were sitting on the bleachers?
0: Yeah, I was just I was just praying to God, asking him like, I'm not asking you for an Olympic gold medal. I'm asking you to give me a chance to compete for one. You know, I just want to I don't want them to discriminate against me because of my age. You know, I just want to be given a chance. Like, if I'm 16, I can beat all the girls who are, you know, 25, 27, 30. They've been boxing for 12, 15 years. If I can beat them, I wanted to prove it. And my dream was to be the first woman to win an Olympic gold medal. And this was the first Olympics, so I wanted my shot. And so all of
1: this is going through your mind while your coach is talking to the president of USA Boxing. What did your coach come and tell you after that conversation?
0: After my coach finished talking with him, he shook his hand and he walked off. And then I seen that my coach was a little disappointed and he didn't want to tell me. So I guess the president came up to me and told me that I was too young. The president just told me, he said, well, you're too young to go to the 2012 Olympics, but don't get married and don't get pregnant and I'll see you in 2020. When he said that to me, I I kind of feel like my stomach dropped and I was I was devastated, and I just kept telling myself, like, well, it's, it's time to find something else because there's no way I'm living my life like this for four more years. The Olympics was supposed to be my way out, so if I wasn't going to be able to be given the chance because of my age, I didn't want to do it anymore. You know, even though I love boxing, it still was, I still have a regular life where I, need, I needed it to be fixed. So they're basically telling you that
1: boxing in the 2012 Olympics wasn't going to change your regular life. What
0: was your reaction to that? Um, after he came and said to me directly, I think I I walked away from the president and I told him thank you and everything. And um, I kind of, I think I went to the bathroom and I was probably a little emotional. And I probably, and I, and I think I cried a little bit. But then I came out, Evander Holyfield waved me over and told me to come here. I don't know if he had heard the bad news or not, but, you know, I was still kind of devastated. And when he called me over and I talked to him, we talked for about 30 minutes. And um, when I was talking to him, I was just telling him, like, you know, I'm I'm just devastated. And he just was like, he told me he watched my fight. He said, I don't mean to be offensive, but you fight like a man. He told
1: me. Were you like, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I was like, I tell
0: you, that's a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. And um, from that conversation, we just talked, and he told me, um, I was just was telling him how I felt. I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm a boxer anymore. And he was like, why? And I was like, I'm too young to go to the Olympics, and I, I want to turn pro, but I don't want to turn pro without going to the Olympics. And he said, just wait till 2016. Keep boxing. Keep getting better. And he was like, take this ass. You know, God giving me more time to get ready. I just was like, but I'm ready now. And he was like, I see that. But he was like, still, just take it as a learning lesson, you know, to just be better. Because when you get ready for 2016, you're going to be so much better and so much stronger than you are now. They're not going to be able to deny you because of age. Nobody's going to be able to beat you. And and I kind of felt a little uplifted. But then I was still sad because I was like, man counting down 365 times 4 like yeah bull crap so what did you decide to do next oh i i quit i've always been like a homebody so i was at i I, I was at home i would just like watch tv or sleep or walk to the store or probably text on my phone like i really was just like this is all I'm doing. I did not want to go to the gym. I didn't even want to think about boxing. But when you have like a set routine that your body has every day at the gym, seven till nine, I would find myself when I was walking to the store, start shadow boxing. And I'll be shadow boxing and throwing punches. And then I had to tell myself to stop. You know, you're not going to the Olympics, stop. I was kind of lost. I would write my diary like how mad I was and how I had to keep living like this. And one day my coach pulled up and he was like, you coming out to the gym today? And I was like, I mean, I don't want to, but you're here. You know, he's like, get in the car. So we got in the car and after not training for about a week or so, um, soon as I got to the gym, he just was like, "Rest, get ready. I'm like, get ready to spar. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I ain't been to the gym for a week. He's like, that's your fault. I got in the ring. It was a different sparring partner. I don't remember who it was, but... He seen how frustrated I was. I wasn't even boxing or I was just, I was just fighting. I was throwing really straight hard punches, like straight one-two. I really wanted to hurt my sparring partner. And my coach, after sparring, he just told me, he said, that's why you can't quit. And I was like, what? And he was like, you can't quit because you need boxing. He just was like, you need boxing to release whatever going on with you. He said, if and if you don't release it, you're gonna start doing that. What you just did in the ring, outside the ring. Don't don't worry about what the president said. He said, God always come through and find a way. It's always a way around it. And I was like, we see and he like, you gotta stay faithful. I remember that I went home and I just prayed. Then all of a sudden, a month later, we get some paperwork a month or two after the president of USA Boxing told me I was too young. And this said, you have to be 17 by April 21st, 2012. So I had made the deadline by less than a month. It was was the happiest thing I ever experienced in my life. (laughs) What happened right after? I fought the last Olympic qualifier. Uh, it was in Toledo, Ohio. First fight was against a girl named Dara Shen. I stopped her. After her, I fought a girl, I think, Melinda. I fought the 152 world champion, Andrecia Watson. She was from Michigan also. Rumor was she had broke a girl neck. I beat Andresia too. A girl named Frenton Cruz. Next fight, Tika Hemingway. She was ranked number three in the country. She was on a winning streak just as I was. I beat Tika. I sent her to the loser's bracket. Tika had fought her way back to the winner's bracket. And I beat her in the finals also, uh, 15 to 23. And that's how I got my spot on the USA team to represent the country in the Olympics. The winner, by a score of 19 points to 12, an Olympic gold medalist. Larissa Shields, she can dance her way to the medal stand, looking fine, capturing
1: gold. And then you won a gold medal, right?
0: Yep, and then I won an Olympic gold medal in 2012. And That 2016 dream wasn't dead because I went to the Olympics again. Okay,
1: two-time gold medalist, what's next for you?
0: I don't know. I don't know what's next. I don't know. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Ah! Congratulations. (laughs) Won another Olympic gold medal 2016, and I ended my amateur career uh, 77 wins with one loss. And um, now I'm professional.
1: You talked a lot about why you needed boxing or why boxing was so good for for you, but why do you think the sport needs you, and why are you good for boxing?
0: Oh, my goodness. I feel like um, (laughs) I've changed the sport of women's boxing alone. You know, I feel like I kind of brung something to the table that a lot of girls just didn't have or didn't get any recognition for. You know, I feel like I'm the best woman fighter ever, and I have it all. You know, I can talk. I'm pretty. I can be sensitive and sincere, and I can be cocky and super ambitious, and I can fight all in one. Holding all those things and actually saying something and people believing what you say is very important in the sport of boxing.
1: After winning two Olympic gold medals, Clarissa moved from her hometown of Flint, Michigan, to the warmer shores of Florida, and you can watch her on Showtime, where she's fighting as a professional boxer. Going Through It is an original series from MailChimp, and I'm your host, Ann Friedman. I am coached from the corner of the ring by producers Eleanor Kagan, Megan Tan, Gabrielle Lewis, and Claire Tai. This episode was edited by Joel Lovell. It was scored and mixed by Hannes Brown. Thanks to our executive producer, Max Linsky, who is my top podcast bro, and everyone at Pineapple Street Media. On the next episode… I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm a very active private citizen of the United States of America. What happens when you're afraid you just can't hack it? And to be clear, we're not talking about, say, a national election. We're talking about Wellesley College, and specifically, Hillary Rodham's freshman year. And it was clear I just wasn't doing well, and I had never been in a class that I hadn't done well in. So I was distraught and disappointed and thinking that maybe I should just leave because I was never going to be successful. I spoke to Secretary Clinton, who by this point is a pro at going through it even if that wasn't always the case.